Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. On today's show, I sit down with Greta Gerwig, writer and director of Little Women, her adaption of the classic coming-of-age novel starring Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Emily Watson, and Timothy Chalamet. Gerwig talks about casting Ronan, why she calls the film an action movie, and why Chalamet was allowed to pretty much dress himself to play Laurie. I'll have that and a whole lot more from Gerwig after the break. Do you ever wish you could get more from your podcast? Well, you can with BuzzFeed Daily, hosted by me, Casey Rackham. And me, Zach Safford. On our show, we've got more good news and more pop culture. More memes and more celebrity tea. More of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet. Every weekday evening, we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day. Because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed? Listen to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's Greta Gerwig. So let's, let's talk do about it. Let's do this. So I was there at the SAG screening at the DGA oh, that oh, night. Oh, oh, that the DGA that night. Oh, my God. That was I a, have crazy. I've never seen people. Okay, first of all, trying to get into the parking garage across the street. Oh, my God. At least I saw uh, almost four accidents. Oh, no. I actually did scratch my car. Oh, God. I'm yes, sorry. Oh, it's no. Not your fault. Oh, it's no. not your fault, but I did. Wow. Wow. The excitement was crazy. People were sitting on the floor. I'm sure you said they were sitting on the floor. People were saying, you can't sit on the floor. It's a fire hazard. And people were like, I'm not leaving. I'm seeing this movie. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I did not know that completely, but I did see it was a very full house. It was. It was very exciting. It was also the first time we'd really... I mean, that, that, that 48 hours, which just happened a couple of weeks ago, but it was the first time we'd really shown the movie. Right. So... um it was, well, it was scary. And you came out there and you were nervous. I was very nervous, yeah. yeah. Do you ever not get nervous? No, I get nervous every single time. I, it's, it's two things that people, are, people say things like, oh, you must be used to this by now, which I never, never get used <laughs> to it. And also the another thing is sometimes people say, like sort of like oh but I you know I liked it but like you're tired of hearing that I'm like I'm never tired of hearing that I've been working on this for years I'm thrilled I, there's not a day when I'm like I don't want a compliment of course it's so nice um but yeah I was really really nervous I still get nervous every single time it's shown now do you watch it with an audience or you can't do that uh I have watched it with an audience but I did not watch it with an audience this past uh this past week i'm gonna watch it again i think when they they are they're gonna show a a print um when we have a premiere in new york Mm -hmm. um and i'm gonna watch it then there's always it comes a time when you realize it's the last time you'll watch it um why do you say that well you stop watching it at a certain point and 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 it's sad it's you're done with that journey because Mm. And, and it's also hard because all you do, the entire process of editing, is look for what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to turn that part off in your brain right. um, because you're you're still you're always making the movie in your head still. So uh, and it's hard to accept defeat. <laughs> and how, how do you turn over that final know. cut? I don't know to the studio and say, okay, this. This is what we're going to show those audiences at the DGA. It's awful. It's an <laughs> awful process. I, no, I mean it's um, 
well, I, I mean, what I will say is you, you start the, the, the decisions that, um, are left to the end, uh, feel perhaps more momentous to you than they are because they're the last right. vestige of control that you have. Um, but the, but this process, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a complicated movie. It's a lot of characters. There's several timelines. There's it's pure. It's in the 19th century. It's, um, you know, it's just a lot's going on right. in this film. So the editing process took a long time and yeah. it's, um, complicated and, and, and extremely satisfying because it was, we worked the material so mm -hmm. much, but it, it took a long time and there were just some outstanding things that I, I wasn't letting go of. And, um, I still, even after the first screening, I thought maybe we could, could we get it one half a day back in the mix? And then everyone's like, it's pencils down. You're done. You're done. Stop it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that you ever really feel like done. You just have to be done. You just have to let it go. You have to let I mean, it go. It's, it's any art. I, I think there's a moment when the movie starts belonging to some, to people other than you. And you know when it starts happening. You feel it start happening. Right. You feel it start living in them more than it lives in you. And um, it doesn't belong to you anymore. So take me back to the day you say, you know what? I'm going to take this classic, this <laughs> beloved classic that you've loved, that everyone has loved, that yeah. we've seen done yeah. a few times. Yeah. You say, okay, this is what I want to do. Do you call your agent? Do you call <laughs> how, does, how does that happen? Well, um... It was it. It was a. I. It, it was mentioned in passing, actually, that there might be a possibility of people being interested in making this film and uh, making Little Women. And I happened to overhear someone say it, and I said, "What do you mean?" Wait, I you just overheard someone. Yeah, it was oh, my wow. agent. It was my agent talking to someone else, and they say, "Oh well, Amy and folks at Sony are talking about." And I was like, "But well, are you serious?" And this was before I had directed Lady Bird, so I didn't have any um, real reason to be considered for this at <laughs> all. Um, and but I went, I went in, and I, I said, "Well, you have to get me a meeting. You have to because I had this." this, this love of this book. And then I also uh, re revisiting it as an adult, there were so many things that jumped out at me right. that were, I felt like I have to make this movie. Mm. And then it just, you know, serendipity so happened to, to be that. So when it, anyway, I was, I was originally hired to write the screenplay, but I didn't, um, I didn't, they didn't tell me I could direct it. <laughs> I mean, I told them no one else can direct it. I must direct it. And they were like, all right, well, you've never directed anything. So, um, or that you've never solo directed anything. Right. So in any case, I, I was just, I was hell bent on it. I was hell bent on it. And it's funny because it's, um, I've never quite gone after something like that. And I mm. felt the confidence I had was in some ways the confidence of the character of Joe right. and Louisa May Alcott as Joe. And then similarly, when Saoirse heard, I was thinking of making the movie. She just told me she was going to be Joe. <laughs> it wasn't like, I'd like to play Joe. It was like, I'll be playing Joe. And, um, she was correct. <laughs> she, 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 would, she, she was going to be playing Joe, but I feel like I was, 
I feel like I was braver and perhaps a bit cockier than I would be usually mm -hmm. because I had this character and this author behind me. Okay. Did so you you sit down, Sersha says, so you have Joe cast. Yes. These are, you know, these are iconic I know. figures. I know. How do you it's it sort of goes back to what we were saying before, like how do you make the decision like, okay, this is the one. Well, and I think, you know, well, one thing about them being iconic and beloved was that, um, was that that was something I was also getting to play with because mm -hmm. the wonderful thing about using uh, iconography that a group of people share is that you then get to subvert and, uh, have a conversation with that. Mm -hmm. So, um, the kind of coziness of it, the Christmas cozy sisters right. all together, this thing, that that became the childhood that they can't get back to, that right. that became the snow globe, that that became the thing that, you know, we meet them all as adults separately in their own spheres. And Joe's trying to be a writer selling works in New York. Amy's trying to be a painter. Beth is dealing with her health. Meg is at home with her twins and her husband. And I just thought, what if the thing that they're nostalgic for is also the thing we are nostalgic for as an uh, audience? If what if we're aligned with them in that way? And uh, but I mean, in terms of deciding to do it, the only thing I can suss out about making movies is you just get to a point where it has to be almost painful for you to not make it. That it mm -hmm. feels like it's. I'm stealing this from Cheryl Strait, actually. She said it when she was talking about writing novels. She said, it's like you're growing another heart inside your body. Mm -hmm. You've got to get that other heart out. Otherwise, it's going to be a big problem. Otherwise, <laughs> you have egg. two hearts and there's too much pumping blood. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the result is. of right. two, But it does. You feel, you almost feel like, I feel pressure building up behind my eyes and it, or in my chest. And I, I know... If I don't do it, it will create some problems. Mm. Um, so it just becomes, uh, and, 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 you know, the belovedness makes it terrifying, but right. the terrifying is also part of what makes it all so attractive to me. Also how, yeah, how, 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 what a big canvas it was, how mm -hmm. complex the story was how sprawling it was. All of that is just terrifying. And, how, and also and how modern it is and how, how modern, modern it is. And, and kind of, um, finding all of that and making it modern, but not anachronistic and mm -hmm. making it big, but also personal, all of these straddling, all of these things. I mean, at one point I, I was like, well, this is, a, I'm, this is a pretty, this is a, this is a, whatever the, it is in figure skating where they have to go a triple into a triple. I was like, this is, a, this is a, you know, you could, it's, that. it's a, it felt like a challenge. I mean, more than a challenge. It felt like nearly, nearly impossible, mm -hmm. but I think, um, that's the only way for me mm. is that kind of feeling of, I can't, but I must. So tell me about the first day on set. Hmm. You know, the first day on set was actually, um, I mean, I, I spend so much time in prep and I'm a heavy prepper and I'm a heavy shot lister and storyboard and everything because I'm a big believer in you make your movie in prep. And once mm -hmm. you call action that it's over, 
It, like mm-hmm. the, 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 those things, those moments are over right. and we had two weeks of rehearsal and we had all this time leading up to it. But actually one of the very first days, well, the first day of doing camera tests um, and hair and makeup tests, which aren't technically part of the movie, but as far as I'm concerned, as soon as we're running celluloid, right. it could be in the movie. And I saw Sersha find Joe. Joe showed up. Mm. It was... It makes me kind of goosebumpy to think about it, but she showed up, and and Sersha knew she showed up, and I knew she showed up, and I we were doing we were doing a long push in, we were trying a, you know, a certain um, wig on her, and and then she just sat away, she tilted her head away, and I was like, oh my god, she's here, <laughs> and then I tried to I run up to her after we rolled out, and she just said, I know, I know. And I, and we both wow. knew we were like, she's here. And it, there's, I don't know what that is. It's Sersha's gift. She's she can channel this mm-hmm. thing that I, I, you know, we both knew we had faith she'd show up and then she did show up. Um, and, uh, and then one of the first real scenes that we shot was, I think if it wasn't the first day, it was the second day was, um, when Friedrich tells Joe, he doesn't think her writing is good. Mm-hmm. And she was just on fire. And I was sitting, I didn't, I wasn't looking at the monitor. I was just sitting by the camera. And I, um, I mean, it was like watching my favorite play over and over again. And her total, there's this moment where she says, no one will will forget Joe March. And when Mm -hmm. she says it, it's this combination of utter arrogance and complete self-doubt. What if they all forget Joe March? Right. And, <laughs> and 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 she does it both at once, and and it's this stunning kind of. Uh, she, I don't know how she does it, but it's this. I felt like it was everything I understand of like being so nervous. Somebody's reading something, and then they tell you they don't like it, and you're just crushed. And mm-hmm. and she embodied everything about that pain of showing yourself, and then also having that knowledge of maybe it's really not good enough and right. trying to you know, mask trying to mask that you have that knowledge of, yes oh, oh, it's, the, it's, it's so many things but she anyway it was that was that was really early because honestly every single day on set was a huge day mm-hmm. there was no day it's like oh what day is this today <laughs> oh the day when Beth dies, or you know, I was like, there was no day that was just. I'm laughing. I shouldn't, but I know what you mean. No, or oh, what is it today? Oh, she almost kills her other sister. I mean, it's not. There was never a day that was. It was an action movie. It was an action movie. We exhausted. They all lost so much weight doing this because we were just running them ragged. I mean, they all got gaunt by the end of it. (laughs) They were like, they were like shadows of their former selves. It's like the opposite of the freshman fifteen. No, they were like by the end. I felt like poor Sasha. Her skirts were just hanging off of her, and I I just, I just destroyed her youth. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Gerwig reveals what she gave Timothy Chalamet to help him get into character. Plus, is there a musical movie in her future? I'll have that and more coming up after this short commercial break. Hey, everybody. This is Jake Brennan, host of Disgraceland and the 27 Club. I want to talk to you about another podcast that I produce called Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story. Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story is a 10-episode look at the madness and genius of record producer Phil Spector. 
Phil Spector and the music he created shifted and shaped American culture. But behind his famous wall of sound, there was a darkness, violence, and an intense inferiority complex that those who knew him and worked with him were all too familiar with, and that led to the senseless murder of actress Lana Clarkson. With Phil's recent death in the news, Blood on the Tracks has become all the more relevant. Just like Phil Spector, this podcast sounds like nothing you've heard before because you can't push the needle into the red without leaving a little blood on the tracks. Listen to Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's more of Greta Gerwig. How do you look at Joe and Amy specifically different now, having made the movie, Mm. having written the script, to when you first read Little Women? Well, I think I had the reaction to Amy that a lot of people have, which was, that well, Joe and Amy, which was Joe was my heroine and Amy was her enemy. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that That seemed to be pretty clear to me that Amy was this, thing that was in the way of, of right. her. Um, but I have to say, Amy was one of the revelations for me reading the book as an adult. She says so many things in the book that are incredible and completely different than Joe. but I felt like I'd never heard her say any of this stuff mm. when she says, I want to be great or nothing. That's in the book, which is, what? <laughs> she says, I want to be great or nothing. nothing. And then she says... I know I didn't even have room for some of the great things she said. She said, uh, I don't pretend to be wise, but I am observant. You're like, good Lord. (laughs) She really sees the whole world. And her kind of, you know, decision that's very, that seems very crass about I want to marry for money is not she's looking at the world and she sees it for what no, it is. Then she and gives that speech and it, it's it a out. smart move. Yeah. It's a smart move given what her options are at this moment. And I just, it, it, she, she sort of became a heroine to me. And then I was reading, um, I have to, I just, because yeah. before we started this, we were talking about the crown all of a sudden yes. I'm thinking about Queen Elizabeth and Princess Margaret. Interesting. It's the, it's the same thing. Dynamic. That's fascinating. In many, many ways. Because I know. Whoa. I can't wait for the new. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, but I had read, I had also read, one thing that was really interesting to me was that I had read um, some literary criticism, lots of fascinating literary criticism about um, little women, about um, feminism, about um, gender, about uh, authorship, just really neat stuff. Like mm-hmm. from down to things like, you know, Joe is a girl with a boy's name. Lori is a boy with a girl's name. And they're right. kind of, <laughs> they're kind of androgyny with each other. Right. Uh, but along those lines that neither Joe, Joe nor Amy is feminine. Really? They're not, really no. i mean joe no. says the entire book that she wishes she had been born right. a boy which you can read a couple of different ways one of which is just well that's just smart because boys have better lives um <laughs> but amy her femininity is almost like a, a garment she puts on because it's expedient to get what she wants right which is fascinating mm-hmm. so and they are formidable foils for each other but i see them both as androgynous and mm-hmm. that they just kind of take on mm. what they need to, to get where they're going. Um, whereas I think, uh, 
you might see Meg or Marmy as more traditionally right. me- uh, identified with femininity and right. feminine values, which it, it's sort of fascinating that. Mm-hmm. But Amy's sort of too much. She's ambitious and she's great. She's, right. she's wild. Um, and and is so that, it's and not, is that, is that feminine? feminine? Okay, quote, and we're, we're doing quote air quotes. Right. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> right. Not really. No. I mean, she wears a dress well, but that's just the windows. But like, she, that's just the window dressing. But in the dressing. end, she stands up for herself and she does what she wants because this is going to make her life better. Better. Is that, again, And this is feminine. how she's going to get where she's going. Right. Um, and so there was, there was all of that in there. And then, um, and then when I was building with the... With with the research, what I was doing, uh, another thing I found about, I thought about Amy, which was fascinating, was, well, I kind of wanted to look at each sister as having an art and a serious art that mm-hmm. Joe wants to be a writer. Amy wants to be an, a painter or a sculptor, a visual artist. Amy, Beth wants to uh, be a pianist, uh, music, and um, Meg wants to be an actor. And I really was like, well, what if we treat these as not quaint, but serious? And, right. you know, giving Beth her moment of playing you know, beautiful, um, you know, 19th century piano sonatas at Mr. March's house makes you think, oh, she's just as ambitious as the rest of them. Um, that, that we would take this seriously. And I thought about Amy March going to Europe and that when she went to Italy, she, she saw, you know, the Sistine Chapel. She saw all the old masters and she realized she'd never be that because it's over. And then when in Paris... What's happening in 1868? Manet is painting and Cezanne is painting and all of a sudden everything's changing and Impressionism is starting and what is the earliest beginnings of modernism is Mm -hmm. coming. And I'm just thinking of her looking at those paintings and thinking, oh no, (laughs) oh no, what do I do? And I just thought, you know, that, that in some way, that's not from the book explicitly, but it is, of the time right. and I just thought it gave a, a layer of, of, of s- seriousness and a historical watershed moment where everything starts turning. Mm. And um, in any case, I love her and I love Florence Pugh who plays her. Oh, I know. So and I always knew it had to be Florence. So when did you see Mids- Midsommar? Oh, I saw, <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw that, I saw that in the, when it came out, um, yeah. yeah, and I was just I was terrified and and um, just completely. Of course, she's amazing, and also I, that it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> but she's the perfect Amy. She's the perfect. She has the voice. She yeah. has this contemporary. I don't know. I was talking about it the other day. She has this modernity to yeah. her that doesn't make her completely out of that time period, but gives her some kind of edge that the other sisters just don't. Yeah, and she's also, uh, Florence as a person, but Florence as an Amy, she's not afraid. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, she's got a low center of gravity. She can't be knocked over, and she's not afraid. She's not afraid of anyone. Right. And I think that comes across, and I think I knew I, because of the way I'd constructed this and because of these, what I wanted Amy to represent, I knew I had to have someone who could punch the same weight class as Sersha. Right. And Florence 
can stand her ground. <laughs> <laughs> so Timothy Chalamet, yeah. it just seems obvious why yeah. he's the perfect Lori. He's but Lori. Did that just come to you yeah. right away? I don't think that was ever. <laughs> it was not like a. It was not like a. Well, I you know I I knew. Well, once I had. I mean, Saoirse was the one who told me she was doing it, and then once I started seriously putting the cast together, it was just he was always the person. He was always the mm-hmm. person. There was never really. Yeah, I. I and I, I, I think I, I, I mean, he wanted to do it, and I also made him do it. <laughs> um, I, mean, I, I sort of was like, dude, you'll just be meeting us in Massachusetts, friend. <laughs> um, um, but he was, you know, I mean, he, he was, he's the most wonderful um, young man, and and truly, very for me, these the caliber of a male actor in this in this too between. Timothy Chalamet and Bob Odenkirk and Chris Cooper and James mm-hmm. Norton. It's, it's, uh, it's good men sporting good women. And mm-hmm. I, it's, I find it very moving, uh, what they, what they give in the film. And mm-hmm. I love the characters of the men in little women. And it was very gratifying to see these great actors be those people for these women. Mm. But Timothy wore too much jewelry. No, he didn't. He didn't. He just he always calls me Wayne Gretzky, or there's a a variety of nicknames. But like, he just wanted to wear so many rings in every scene because I had actually given him essays to read, which I don't know if he actually read about um, the dandy and the flaneur. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is Baudelaire essays and sort of the kind of positioning of the 19th century. the wanderer of mm-hmm. urban areas. And I thought because Laurie had grown up in Europe and likes fashion in the book, he loves clothes. Mm-hmm. He's always buying too many <laughs> neckties, which is sort of great. And, um, you know, I had him in search of trade clothes, the whole movie to kind of reinforce this androgyny with each other. But I was having him read about the, Yeah. The theory of dandies and, the, mm. and, and, um, in any case, I don't know that he really read the essays, but he definitely <laughs> lighted on. Maybe they wear a lot of rings um, because they don't show up with all these rings and sort of doodads. And um, I, I, but you know, the truth is, I, Jacqueline, the costume designer, said Timothy has such a fabulous sense of style yeah. that she basically would just let him kind of do what he wanted. She'd hang a bunch of different costumes in his trailer and say, whatever you want to put together. I mean, there are and, things he wears on the red carpet right now that Laurie would wear. Oh, yeah. And it would well, no. look cont- I mean, he's, I thought about that. He was, he, he was like, he kind of had this like, oh, I want to wear billowy shirts all the time now. <laughs> and I was like, well, I think you have a, but you could start a trend, a, 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 billowy, a billowy shirt. shirt. Like what happened to those? Terrific. <laughs> the new collection. I mean, it billowy should be a by new Timothy collection. Chalamet. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a collaboration with Raph Simmons. <laughs> I don't know. That was a name I know. I don't know. Is that a Fashion person. You know what? It worked. I think that it totally is. worked. Yes. That totally worked. Yeah. It makes me sound like I really have a much deeper knowledge of fashion than I do. <laughs> so you go from Little Women mm-hmm. to Barbie. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't know that that's the line yet. It's just actually, <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm going Little Women and then uh, I, I'm, I'm acting in the spring. How in a dare play. you? I know. In, the, in a play? I'm <gasps> acting in Where? Chekhov's Three Sisters at New York Theater Workshop. Um, so that's terrifying. Um, so but wait, you're going, okay, now you're going to be doing Three Sisters Wall 
Barbie. Or writing Barbie. Just as Chekhov always intended. <laughs> I mean, didn't isn't that how he saw Masha in his mind as penning Barbie? Um, no, I mean, listen, Noah and I love Margot Robbie as an actor, as yep. a producer, as a creative force. And she came to us and had a very exciting kind of idea and was interested to hear our ideas. And... Um, I can't really speak to it yet because it's early days, but it's a very exciting prospect. But what do you think when you get a phone call say, "Hey, Margot Robbie wants to call, you, wants to talk to you about Barbie"? You think, "Hell yes, <laughs> hell yes!" Like that's basically what I was. I was like, "Totally, I'm 100 there for it." So she's, yeah. I mean, no part of me actually even thought. I was just so excited, and also she's just. She's great. I mean, I have I a, just, I just I have a, a girl with her crush on her. I, I mean, doesn't cr- everyone? I have a gay crush on her. I mean, gay, I actually feel, even though she's younger than me, much younger than me, I don't know how old she is. She's the age of beautiful. <laughs> like, but she, I feel around her the way I felt around older girls when I was young. Mm-hmm. That they were just so beautiful. She, and, she, and the way and, she carries herself. I know. And... She's just cool too, and 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 her husband is super smart. Anyway, the whole thing is just like it's so fun. Also for me and Noah to write together, and we've just made movies separately, and it's a good way to um, make each other laugh. So, have you discussed going into award season together? As oh. competition. <laughs> we, we don't discuss it as competition. But, um, but it, you it, are. it is funny because we're both here and we're both every night. We're going to different things. Right. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, we're, we're it, technically, it's technically that's true. But <laughs> in reality, I mean, in reality, I, I, I mean, Marriage Story is amazing. It's I mean, it's amazing. incredible. It's an amazing film. Little Women film. is an amazing oh, film. <laughs> thank you. But I mean, I just, I couldn't be, you know, more proud and also hit so worthy of everything. So which film are you voting for? <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> that's a terrible that's terrible i that's terrible i mean i think we probably need to talk maybe what we'll do is i'll vote for him he'll vote for me then you just cancel it out. That doesn't count. I know, but isn't that nice? <laughs> or you say you're voting. <laughs> yeah, secretly. I'm like, you. Oh, I'm going to look over your shoulder and I'll be like, it's mine. And it's like, by one vote. No. How um, are you going to write together? Do you know what that going to oh, look like? We, oh, yeah. Well, we've. I love writing with Noah. It's yeah. so fun. I mean, uh, it's a lot of talking and then it's a lot of... Like I'll go away and work on some pages and he'll go away and work on some pages and we trade. And because I love him as a writer so much, it's he's he's the most coveted laugh I have. Like mm-hmm. if, if I can get him to laugh, it's like that's then we're good. And oh, that's amazing. And it's um I yeah, I just love it's it's writing can be quite lonely. Very and, lonely. And to have someone you can do it with makes it uh, so so nice. Someone who has a good laugh. Someone who has a good, a good laugh. Yeah. Does he have a good laugh? He has a really good laugh. Yeah. It, it is like, it's rare that you get the full Noah laugh, like mm-hmm. the full, like he really sh- can't breathe. He's laughing so hard. Um, I've maybe done it like a handful of times and it's so worth it when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the one film, my last question for yeah. today, the one film you could watch over and over again and you'll never get bored? Over and over and I can never get bored of. Oh, 
I think for me, that's there's a lot of different films that mm-hmm. fall into that category because that's sort of what I do with a movie that I'm obsessed with. Mm. Is you know how some people listen to a song again and oh, again? Yeah. I do that with a I do that with movies. So there's a there's a lot of different movies that fall into that category of just I could almost sing them for you. Mm. I know them so well, but um, I mean literally singing in the rain. I've seen. It was one of my earliest movies I saw. It's uh, Gene Kelly is my first love. Mm. Mm. And I wanted to be Gene Kelly. I don't know. It was a combination. It's tap dancing. It's, it's a movie about movies. It's a movie about making things. Mm-hmm. It's a movie about artists. It's the most joyful thing it's the most joyful movie. I like for so many reasons that movie it's an over and over and over movie. I'd say, I mean, a lot of them are musicals for me, mm-hmm. actually movie like musicals. Like um, and in some ways, Alexandre Desplat said to me after I showed him the movie, which was terrifying, but also <laughs> wonderful. He was like, you've made him, you've made a ballet, you've made a musical. And I, uh-huh. and I, that meant so much to me because that's always how I think of my work, even though I don't have songs in them yet. I mean, at some point I'm just going to go full movie I was musical. Just say, when are you going to do a musical? Do you have ideas? Yep. <laughs> Re- remakes, reboots, or your own? <laughs> I can't jinx any, my own. But I, I, I Barbie the musical. Yeah, exactly. No, I feel I was well. One thing I feel that the world is really missing right now is tap dancing. That's just I'm just going to say that. I remember seeing Tap Dance Kid when I was a kid with Saving Glover. Tap dancing is my favorite. Oh, Saving Glover! I was such a crush on him. Oh, and if you just bring the noise, bring the funk. I would hear stories that he would have massage, massage therapists backstage oh my, I in between each number okay, yeah. because yeah. they had to, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, tap dancing is one of my favorite, favorite things. Um, but yeah, yeah, singing in the rain over and over and over. Um, but, you know, I would say the first 20 minutes of um, West Side Story, the Jerome Robbins choreography is like... It's just... It's, a, it's a heart-stoppingly good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's, I've got a, I've, I've You're got a, a musical mama. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I would say Jules and Jim, the way mm-hmm. it moves, the way it feels. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I mean, done that. I, I went through a period of time with that. Um, Howard Hawks movies. Um, I his Girl Friday. I watched over and over and over because it, because mm. even though it's not music, it is the they speak so quickly. Right, right, right. Oh, Rear Window. I mean, I mean again and yeah. again and again. Um, I. They're, you know, that they tend to be the movies that you want to live inside of somehow. And and they give you kind of a visceral visceral hit that's probably like dopamine. It's probably the same thing. Well, it's probably, it's it's an antidepressant in a way because it gets your adrenaline going in the same way. I, I, yeah, exactly. And it's, I think it has some kind of, there's sort of two, I, I think there's two distinct pleasures of watching movies. Like the first time, which is always exciting. But then this sort of like anticipatory uh, ritual of seeing something you've seen before and knowing that, yeah, it's like playing a song again and again. Mm-hmm. It, it, it gives you another layer of pleasure. And I and think- you notice something that you just, you're like, that was there the first time I saw it? How, I know. Wait, how did I miss that? I know. I know. That's how, 
that's how um that's why i feel about about those about those those things is just kind of that you get it again and again but also it's like i'm um, saying a rosary Mm-hmm. except for not you don't get forgiven <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Greta, this is awesome thank you <laughs> thank you so much um now i want to go watch singing in the rain yeah West yeah yeah oh yeah it's gorgeous um, yeah my, fir- my first part of the show i ever saw was 42nd street oh which one with time daily oh no no no, no. Oh, more. Oh, more. oh yeah okay this was oh no, time yeah. daily um jerry orbach was in it yes in like 1990 uh, 1980s. 1980s. This was uh, this Columbus Day weekend. Columbus Day weekend. I was in the fifth grade in 1982. I saw 42nd Street on Broadway in 1989 when I was five, and I've never gotten that out of my mind. And it was the same production, I'm pretty sure. That was Greta Gerwig. Little Women is in theaters now. It's also up for two Golden Globes, including a Best Actress nomination for Saoirse Ronan. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Mark Malkin. See you next time. Hold up. 